Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena New Zealand, good morning to you. And on behalf of Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier, we welcome you to uh, SENZ in the mornings from uh, 9 to 12, which will include an interview very shortly with Sam Dixon. All Blacks Seven is the captain, of course, massive weekend for both uh, the All Black Sevens and the Black Fern Sevens. It's the last one at home for a while, so there'll be plenty of emotion and mixed up with their performance, I am sure. Uh, we'll invite your uh, calls just after 9.25, uh, your impressions perhaps on the White Ferns T20 squad. Chris Wood reportedly on loan to Nottingham Forest. Uh, who are you backing in the Karaka Million two-year-old and three-year-old classic? And uh, any tips for taking a toddler to a sporting event for the first time? because uh, producer Logan Swinkles is taking his daughter to the football ferns and he'd like to know how he's going to keep her occupied while he watches the football, I guess. Uh, ben Sawyer uh, will come to us too after 9.30 uh, because uh, he is the White Ferns coach and this morning they announced their team for the T20 World Cup in South Africa. Not too far away. One or two uh, changes in the squad, but not too much from the norm. Paul Wilcox, uh, CEO of Auckland Racing Club, of course, the massive weekend, which is the Karaka Million weekend. This time, of course, it's at Pukekoi Park, as opposed to Ellerslie. We'll get the details from Paul Wilcox on that. Panel this morning, Lavina Good and Ollie Ritchie. That'll be fun. Um, and then, of course, uh, after 11 o'clock, we should be focusing on some tennis. Jordan Cornelis, uh, who is the uh, SEN tennis commentator for us, uh, will be with us just uh, after 11 o'clock. And Michael Guerin uh, will look at uh, trotting action over the weekend. So uh, there we have it. Uh, that's the show wrapped up in three hours. Hopefully we'll begin right now. Well, Hamilton could be the place to be this weekend with the World Rugby 7 Series making one more stop in the Waikato before it says goodbye to the region and likely the country for some time to come. With that in mind, it stands to be a special tournament for both the Black Ferns and the All Black Sevens. And the men will have to get through Tonga, Australia and Great Britain and pool play. And if they hope to win gold on home turf, uh, it's going to be a tough exercise. That group alone looks like a pretty powerful one. And it's a very good morning to Sam Dixon, who is the captain, of course, of the uh, All Black Seven. Sam, good morning to you. Yeah, morning, Smitty. Thanks for having me. Uh, no, pleasure, mate. Uh, it's all our pleasure, too. Uh, just by the by... Um, this could be the last sevens in this country for quite some time, Sam. So I guess you've focused on that and your build-up. Yeah, obviously it's a bit disappointing when we heard the news that it could be the last one um, in New Zealand for a while. But I guess it's just a good opportunity to uh, make this one a special one. Um, looking forward to playing in, uh, in front of families and friends. So, yeah, it should be should be goody. What kind of week have you had? Have you been able to engage with the community at all and amongst your preparations? 
Yeah, we had a good couple of hours yesterday at uh, Fraser Tech Rugby Club with um, running a few drills and getting the uh, the youth come. They came down and sort of got to meet us and a little um, yeah, a few a few little skill drills and uh, just got to hang out for a bit. So yeah, it was cool to give back here in Hamilton. What kind of crowds are you expecting? You expecting to be pretty much full houses? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the weather's looking good, so I think they should drag a few uh, people. Maybe a few people that are sitting on the fence at the moment, but yeah, obviously um, New Zealand's always loved their seven, so um, going all the way back to Hamilton. So hopefully it will be a, a big show on the weekend. Can you remember when uh, when it was that you really uh, focused on sevens and and decided sevens would be your direction? Now, what what when was that, and what was that about? Yeah, so it's going back a little bit now, back in 2012 when it sort of um, become. Uh, full-time um, and made the Olympics so it became a full-time <clears throat> sport all over the world um, and that's sort of when I come into it and uh, I pretty much just got offered a, a full-time contract straight away so I never really looked back and, and I enjoyed it and um, yeah no I just pretty much enjoyed it and loved playing for the All Black Seven so kept it on. Two other uh, players uh, within your group are celebrating a milestone uh, this weekend with their 50th tournament in the black jersey of course Regan Ware and Joe Webber, both characters and uh, very recognisable in the Sevens lineup, uh, but their presence and experience uh, must have been massive uh, in the influence of the group, including you, yourself. Yeah, they've been they've been legends throughout their career. Obviously, they've done a lot for this team, and it's quite fitting they both went to Hamilton Boys, so it's special they could bring it, bring up their fiftieth year in front of the uh, family and friends that will be down watching. So, yeah, they've done a lot for this team. So. We'll be doing everything we can to uh, win, win this tournament for them on the weekend. Well, what's been the focus uh, for Clark Laidlaw and, and your uh, senior group this week in terms of the preparations? Um, I guess, obviously, we had a bit of a slow start and then we bounced back pretty well against uh, Dubai and South Africa. So I guess just taking it uh, game by game and we've lost our last two games of the of the tournament. So we, we really want to put a lot of focus in uh, our efforts into Tonga first up and take care of them, and then we'll worry about um, Aussie and uh, Great Britain after that. So Tonga, what uh, what kind of dangers do they bring with their team? Yeah, they're, they're obviously really big and physical, so uh, we've played them quite a bit leading up to Commonwealth Games and uh, World Cup where yeah, we, we played a few warm-up games against them and stuff, and yeah, they're obviously really big and physical, so we'll be having to, having to match them up front and then uh, let our Quick boys and our steppers do the work after that. What about the rivalry? I know you want to focus on uh, Tonga uh, mostly first up, but what about that rivalry with Australia over the years? Yeah, uh, especially lately, it's, it's become pretty close, and obviously they've been us a few times. But and they also won the World Series last year, so they're a really quality team these days. Um, we've had a lot of good battles lately, and yeah, so it's, that's going to be a rough match that second one. Um, I think it's around 2 o'clock or something. So, yeah, everyone tune into that because it's going to be a great game. Um, I think they're running about fourth on the table at the moment. So, it's just going to be tight. Great Britain. Um, I was just doing a bit of homework on them because I'm so used to seeing England playing into, as their own side and Scotland, etc. But Great Britain as a unit, how have they moulded together? Yeah, they've had a bit of a tough start, to be honest, just with all their unions uh, trying to work out who's, who's who's paying for what and how it's all working out. So it's been a bit of a tough start for them, but now they've got their, their group pretty settled and 
Uh, they've got quite a few boys back from injury, so they've got a really good team that they've bought over here. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they did well in that last tournament in South Africa uh, late last year. So I'll be expecting, uh, yeah, a pretty good performance from them and a good fight. Sam, uh, across the board, though, um, obviously New Zealand has always been to the forefront, but um, now you you look at the points table, you look at uh, the results uh, throughout the, you know, the World uh, Series 7s and... You, you you look at a number of countries now who have really turned their attention to sevens, and it's quite an even group now. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the um, when it came full time in 2012, a lot of unions put a lot of money into their sevens programs and uh, centralised their games, women's and men's. So yeah, it's shown over the years. Uh, um, a lot of teams have sort of caught up um, physically, and 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 yeah, I guess mentally as well. And yeah, I guess that's good for the spectators. It makes it so exciting. Um, so you know, anyone could win on against any game. So yeah, I guess that make, makes it way harder for us. But I guess if it was if it was easy, then it wouldn't be that fun doing it. So yeah, should be a good weekend. The other thing that's on the line, of course, apart from this title, is um, Olympic qualification. So uh, becomes doubly important. Yeah, absolutely. We, we had a couple of goals this year. That's to win the World Series and to qualify for the Olympics. So we're doing we're doing pretty solid at the moment. I think we're sitting third, but we'll be looking to uh, get on top this weekend and um, hopefully get a bit of a gap in the World Series. Okay, so um, the Black Fern Sevens, of course, um, uh, equally as successful as uh, as your group as well. Do you, do you have much uh, to, to do with them as such in terms of a, a joint type preparation, or you're very much your own different units? Uh, yeah, good question. We we both live and train up at Mount Monganui, so we we train out of the same facilities. We often see each other around the gym and same physio room and stuff. Um, we, we I guess we see them a lot, but when it comes to actual training, no, we don't we don't train against them or anything that much. But yeah, we obviously uh, we see them a lot. We we did the uh, community thing with them yesterday, so yeah, we're all good friends with the girls and uh, yeah, support them 100. percent I know you're only thinking as far as uh, tomorrow and then, uh, of course, Sunday, but uh, five days uh, after Hamilton, you're off to Sydney. So um, it becomes, uh, it becomes uh, you know, you, you just get on the bandwagon very quickly up from one event to another. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's a battle of nutrition. It's, it's going to be a long World Series. I think we've played three tournaments already and we've still got eight to go over the next five-odd months. So, yeah, she's going to be full on and... I guess that's the beauty of sevens. If um, you just got to keep on uh, stepping up and uh, looking forward, you can't really look back, or else, uh, or else you'll, by the time you you find out, you'll be you'll be at the bottom of the table. So, yeah, no, it's exciting though. So, uh, outside of New Zealand, of course, this is a massive weekend for you. I, j- I just wonder, do you have a favourite venue around the world that you really look forward to each year? Yeah, we're pretty lucky. There's, there's most of the cities we go to are pretty special and uh, and put on a really good show. But I've always really enjoyed Vancouver. Um, obviously, the city's pretty special, and the people really get behind it. Um, and the stadium's an indoor stadium, and they, it's yeah similar to the old Wellington, I guess. Everyone and Hamilton at, uh, these days as well. Everyone gets dressed up, gets right behind it. The good buzz, and yeah, we've had a lot of um, a lot of success there in the past. So I think it's yeah a lot of good memories. You have to do with a a couple of uh, very experienced players uh, this weekend, of course. Uh, I just wonder um, how um, 
you know, uh, the like missing the likes of Tim Mickelson, etc., will impact on you? Yeah, obviously, Timmy and Skuzza, um yeah, they are losses, but I think it's just a good opportunity for other boys to step up. And you know, we've been going with them for a while now, so, well, without them for a while now. So, it's, yeah, it's just a great opportunity for other boys to step up and get the experience leading into uh, next World Series and also the Olympics next year. The other thing, of course, you've got to keep uh, tuning the players over and, um, you know, the legs become a bit older, so retirements come into play. I'm not even going to ask you about uh, your career, uh, Sam, but news during the week, of course, very exciting news, uh, was the, the signing of three young players coming into the Sevens programme. So Kelston boys, uh, Tito Harris, Hamilton boys, Peyton Spencer and uh, Tarapaya Cook-Savage. So, uh, of course, Peyton gets the headlines because he's the son of Carlos, but th that looks like a really impressive young trio coming into the group. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they've, they've just slipped right in seamlessly and Geez, they've got some talent and they've got all three of them with really bright futures. So I'm just really happy they're on our team at the moment and next, for the next few years. So, yeah, they're, they're going to have a very long career if they keep their heads down and keep their bodies in good shape. But, yeah, it's really exciting and hopefully we'll be able to unleash them at some point this year once they, once they get a bit more experience. Well, Sam, it's been great chatting to you. A massive weekend for you. Um, looking forward to it. Um, I know there'll be a, a little bit of emotion tacked on, uh, particularly towards the end of the competition when you realise it might be up for a while at home. But all the very best, mate. I hope it goes well. Yes, Vinny, appreciate it, mate. And thanks to everyone's support here at Hamilton. Looking forward to the weekend. Cool. Thank you very much, Sam. Uh, very, very best wishes to, to you and the squad. Sam Dixon there, captain of... Uh, the All Black Sevens in action this weekend at Hamilton on that magnificent part surface that they've got there. Great for running rugby, so uh, that'll be a, an absolute party, I'm sure. And I hope all uh, people that uh, are around the Hamilton area or travelling down from Auckland or even up from King Country, etc., uh, will have a ball um, and celebrate Sevens rugby in this country because it has been uh, a very focal point in our rugby for such a long period of time. All the best to the All Black Sevens, of course, and the Black Fern Sevens, it's 9.16. Nick, on the Mail Run, Saturdays from 8 on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. very topical music there and uh, of course there was um, a big event yesterday uh, where you were uh, I guess absent from the office I think it's fair to say uh, Logan you, you've uh, got on uh, your high horse and headed out to Warriors land um, for uh, what is a press conference or a media day what, tell us a wee bit about that and uh, what the feeling was out there Oh, sorry. There we go. See, okay. one day off the tools, just, and I get sloppy. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I, 
I thought you were snubbing me. No, no. I would never do that to you, Smithy. No, uh, yes, I was at Warriors Media Day, but if you could see me, uh, I'm a little bit sunburnt, so always slip, slop and rap. Uh, Learn your lesson there, kids. Uh, Yeah, Media Day, the Warriors... Got shifted around a little bit because Mount Smart is uh, making way for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Interviews were meant to happen in front of the East Stand, but instead it all happened out at uh, the training park where they always train. It was good, though. Uh, It's been a while, Smithy. It's been a while since I've been at a Warriors training. This, and I I had people texting me, messaging me, wanting to know... What what is it like with the Warriors this year? What does it look like under uh, Webster? It feels different. Is all is, I think that's the best way I can explain it. It feels different. I know Brian doesn't want me to get his hopes up too much, but the way Webster looks at the game, the way he's looking at these players and everything, the way he's approaching it all, it just seems like a really nice breath of fresh air, Smithy. Okay, so um, did you get to who did you get to talk to as such? So I had uh, Kempi with me. Kempi, while still on leave, being the good soldier that he is, he came along. And uh, so we did some interviews with Tamari Martin, Charles Nickel Clockstart, and Dylan Walker, uh, along with an all-in with Andrew Webster. So we got a lot out of that. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of content to come uh, both here on ECNZ and on the uh, ECNZ YouTube channel. If you're not a subscriber, hit that up. Some really good insight as well. Kempi really knows how to get some good answers out of the players. I'll say that, you know, I guess him bringing in his coaching mind, he sort of, he probes in a little deep, but he likes to have some fun with it too. I just wonder in terms of um, the start to the season, are the squad looking pretty injury free? Is there any any concerns there? The, the major one at the moment is uh, that Jazz Havanga, uh, I don't know when he'll be available yet. Nothing confirmed. He could be ready to go in maybe two to three weeks, but I assume something like that. They're not rushing him. But he was hanging around. You know, Jazz, being the nice guy that he is, went around and, you know, said hi to all the media. So did Cameron George, you know. Like, it it was just nice. It was nice to be back. You know, we've had the Warriors away for a couple of years. And, you know, they're starting the season in New Zealand albeit not at Mount Smart, they're starting in, in Wellington, but it's just nice to have the boys back. And just the vibe around it is really exciting. You know, you see all these reports of, uh, you know, Sean Johnson looking jacked and ready to go. I definitely saw that in the flesh. He looks very determined to have a big year. Uh, Tamari Martin, we asked him about his kicking game, and he realises that that is Sean Johnson's domain, but he is working on uh, making sure that he is available to pick it up if, say, Sean gets tackled on the last and it all falls on Tamati to make that big play. So he's ready to either run the ball or make a play with his foot. Now, the other event last night, of course, uh, was the breakers. Tell us a wee bit about that. <laughs> Heartbreak. Heartbreak is what I will say, Smithy. This, this is how it sounded last night on Sky Sport. He'll have the final say one way or another. Tom Evercombe on him. This is going up from deep. Four, three. Harvey. Oh, Andrew Mulligan really knows how to sell basketball, doesn't he? So the breakers were up by one point. There was 10 seconds remaining. Tyler Harvey uh, gets the ball for the Illawarra Hawks, and then he bangs home the long-range shot. This was just – he just crossed half court, so it was just there, bangs it in. 
They win by two, so 78-76. A bit of a disheartening loss there, as you can imagine, Smithy, when they are trying to make a play for the playoffs, get into that play-in tournament. This is uh, what Modi Mayor had to say afterwards. We're obviously playing with a little bit of weight on our shoulders. We worked very hard to be in the position that we are with the record that we have or had. And when you have something you work really hard for and you really cherish, then you're a little bit scared to lose it sometimes. And that playoff spot for us is extremely precious. It was our main goal when we started the season. And we're playing with a little bit of an added weight and pressure in these games. I truly believe that this is a growing step for our group and that all the work we've put in is going to show. We're going to overcome, play better, win games, and achieve our goals. The one thing I really appreciate about Modi Mayor Smithy is he doesn't hide his emotions, does he? Well, no, not many basketball coaches do, to be fair. I mean, it's always been one of the highlights for me watching basketball is the coach's reaction, the way they pace that up and down the side of the court, their relationship they have with the officials. It's always been uh, one of the highlights. Um, and uh, the ones that can keep it in check um, and not uh, wear it on their sleeves are very few and far between. So, um, no, that's interesting. Not not good news uh, for the breakers. So the ramifications now, I mean, that's what, four in a row they've lost? Four in a row? Uh, and it doesn't get any easier because on Sunday they play the Sydney Kings as well over at Kudos Bank Arena, which is always a tough ask in considering how well that team plays. Uh, I mean, it's not slipping out of their hands, but they definitely have to play for it now. Okay, very interesting. Thanks very much for that update. Uh, look, the All Black Sevens team to play Hamilton. I'll just uh, read out the full squad that, that are available to uh, Clark Laidlaw over the course of the next two days. Brady Rush, of course, uh, Okilia Orokalasoa, uh, Dylan Collier, Narohi, uh, Magavi Black, Sam Dixon, the captain, of course. We've just been talking to Sam uh, Amanaki Nicole. Uh, Joe Weber playing in his 50th tournament. Leroy Carter, Moses Lau, Jay Clark, Sione Molia, Roderick Solo, and Regan Ware, of course, also playing in his 50th tournament. What uh, congratulations to both of those players. What an amazing, an amazing example of, of longevity in a very physical and demanding sport. It's uh, coming up to 9.30. Let's uh, hear from Arawa for the news. Uh, 9.31 here on SENZ uh, and it's a very exciting time coming up for uh, women's cricket of course uh, seems to be their calendar gets more and more full as we speak which is great for them uh, but it puts the onus uh, on head coaches and uh, of course uh, the head coach for the White Ferns is Ben Sawyer and this morning uh, he named a 15 strong squad that includes the return of Northern District's uh, wicketkeeper Bernadine Bazudenhay. Uh, ben joins us now on SENZ. Uh, ben thanks for your time um, pleased with your squad, obviously. It, it looks uh, a fairly consistent one. Yeah, I'm really happy with the, the team that we've been able to, to announce today. And, um, yeah, like I think across the board, we've got we've got options that, um, you know, we can put up against any team in the world in the World Cup. So, yeah, really happy with the side. OK, so the, the big talking point uh, is uh, the selection of Bernadine as uh, wicketkeeper. Uh, how much wicketkeeping has she, has she been doing uh, with the Brave? Yeah, she, uh, she actually hasn't done a hell of a lot just at the moment. She did take a little knock on her finger, but um, she's good to go. And, 
Yeah, look, it's something we've been speaking about for a little while, and um, I know Maddie got an opportunity uh, during the Bangladesh series, but we'd actually spoken to Maddie about about doing that while she was in the West Indies. So it is something we've been planning a little bit for, and um, we've tried a few different keepers, just like we have with the the batters and the quicks in particular. So yeah, look, Bernadine just has been opening the batting um, for Northern, and you know has been doing really well and, and been able to play the game the way that we think we want to play. So yeah, really excited to have her back in the side. Of course, they've been playing quite a lot of Super Smash uh, of late, Ben, and uh, before uh, the season started in that regard, uh, you basically said to the White Ferns to go out there and dominate the Super Smash competition. Have you have you got uh, what you asked for? Yeah, look, I think a few of them have, and you know, the likes of Susie Bates in particular, and um, I thought Millie Kerr's been outstanding throughout, and, and look, there's obviously times where um, you know some of the players, like I look at someone like Lauren Down and and they've gotten their teams over the line in certain games. And that's really what we were after, that you know, a few match-winning performances, they're, they're going to play in different positions than they would to us in the White Ferns. But if you can stand up and win a game for your association, then you know, that's really what we're looking for. So, yeah, I've been happy that a few have been able to do that. Since coming into the role, Ben, you've uh, talked about establishing a brand of cricket that both is both entertaining and gives the White Ferns the best possible chance at success, like uh, we, we talk about Baz Ball with Brendan McCullum. Are you happy with the way that uh, Sawyer Ball is coming along? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call that. But, um, look, yeah, look, we, we speak a lot about it, and I'm happy to say we, we've looked at the numbers, and, you know, 160 is, is a really competitive score at the moment in, in women's T20 cricket, and, and you'll win a lot of games. So, you know, that's... That's our minimum. That's what we're striving for each time. So it's really simple in terms of, you know, that game plan. And then it's just trying to figure out ways to do that, whether whether we go hard in the power play against certain teams or, or we try to finish really well. And, and I guess that's the matchups against opposition. But we know that that's the score that we're striving for. And then and then with the ball, we're trying to keep teams under 130. And, and they're the two goals that we have. And we're not going to get them every single day. But I think if we're pushing towards those, then we're going to play cricket the right way. So um, that's that's what we're chasing. On an even playing field, on a pitch that's going to last the distance, and hopefully they all do in T20 cricket, are you a, a side that prefers to stack it up or are you, prepared, you prefer to chase? Uh, look, we haven't really, honestly, we haven't spoken about what, what we want to do in situations. Um, you know, I'm, I guess as a head coach and just me personally, I always lean towards runs on the board, but... Um, yeah, we're a, a team that would just you know look at the wicket and conditions and, and play what's in front of us, and I think that's the best way to be. That we don't have to have a, a definite way of playing. But um, yeah, if you ask me personally, I, I don't mind runs on the board. You have um, uh, brought in Craig Howard to work alongside uh, the spin bowling group, of course, and you have uh, a very youthful one. How, how have you found the development of of your young spinners? Oh, mate, I, I think that's the standout of, you know, I guess my time with the White Ferns and, and the thing that I'm most happy with is, is how well that group has gone. And, you know, I, I've said this a number of times, but, to, you know, to watch someone like Fran Jonas who hadn't played and, and to chuck her the ball and tell her to bowl the first over in, you know, back in the Commonwealth Games and then she's done that in every series and, you know, in front of big crowds at the Com Games and lots of people watching on telly and she just took it in a stride and, um, she's been amazing and you know I think she's going to less than five and five and over and you know that's going to be really tough in the World Cup but you can only play what's in front of you and, and so far she's been able to do it every single time and then 
the likes of Eden Carson, you know, it's probably changed my thinking. I've had a bit of a fast bowling background and, you know, always enjoy the quicks being inside. But Eden's forced the way in and, and made us probably go with a, a three-spin attack and, and, you know, they're playing really well as a group and, and they're putting up great numbers. So, um, you know, the two young girls have, have probably forced selection and, and that's a really good thing because it's, it's a positive one. We've got a text coming uh, from uh, a listener when uh, we've... Uh, we knew that Dora we announced that we were talking to you and it's not a subject that's absolutely new but uh, again uh, the, the texter is saying not unnamed just by the by uh, no Lee Kasparuk uh, again who's uh, been around the scene for a long time but uh, has not managed to force her way into the squad uh, even though she's the leading super smash wicket taker in RPO so uh, does it look like the door's definitely closed on Lee? Uh, look I can honestly say I've had chats with Lee and, and I'm happy to, to share that and and I guess in my time here, Eden and, and Fran and, and the younger spinners were contracted and and I want to show them their support and, and they've done really, really well while they've been with us. So at the moment, they're going to get the support of, of me and, and, and the side. And But Lee's definitely one that they're looking at and, and when she gets her opportunity, she'll get that same support from me. So, um, you know, I look at it as I want the players to know that I've got their back and and know that, you know, while they're performing well, which our spinners are doing, then, you know, they've got our support. So, you know, if and when that situation comes up that Lee gets her opportunity through injury or, or an opportunity elsewhere, then, you know, she'll get that same level of support from us. And, and Lee understands that, and um, hopefully she gets her opportunity in the future. But it's definitely not shut. She's a good player and, and always looking at her. Cool. It's good news uh, for Lee in particular. Um, just on that news uh, of... Uh, injury. Fran Jonas uh, has had to withdraw from the under-19. What's the uh, the status there for Fran? Yeah, look, we sent the girls over to the under-19s. I, I thought it personally really important that you know they only get to do this once and, and they're young kids and I want them to play with their peers and, and enjoy that. I guess the caveat to that was that if there was any sign of a little niggle or something that, that they would pull out and unfortunately that's what Fran got. She got a, a really small calf injury um, it's only a two-week one. Uh, she'll be ready to bowl by the time the team gets over to South Africa in the next few days. But, you know, it did take precedence that, that she would sit out for that. But, um, look, she's ready to go. And, unfortunately, she did miss out. But hopefully she's enjoying the time with, with her peer group over there. And, and they're going outstandingly well, winning three from three. So, so hopefully she's enjoying that. OK, uh, let's uh, look at uh, your warm-up um, schedule. Uh, what, what are you able to get? What work can you get, get into the ladies before tournament proper? Yeah, I think we've got a, a really good schedule, actually. We've got three games against uh, England, so they'll be really, really competitive ones. And, um, you know, then we have the two sanctioned ICC warm-up games, one against England again, unfortunately, but that's dictated to us, and then one against the West Indies. So... Five really good games over there that, that'll be really competitive. And, and, you know, we still got people vying for positions in terms of batting order and things like that. So um, they're important ones. And, you know, we'll get to play most players throughout there because we're allowed and, and we'll get to see different combinations again. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the three games against England in particular who are a really strong squad. What do you know about the venues you're playing on? Uh, I don't know a hell of a lot, or I'll be perfectly honest, but. You know, it's one of the reasons, I know we announced it last week, we've been able to secure Mornay Morkel um, into the coaching staff. So I think that's a really great get for us and, and his experience hopefully will, will help a little bit with that. Um, I don't think too many of the women's teams have played on those international grounds over there. So 
um, yeah, having Mornay, I think, is going to be invaluable for us and, and, you know, to help us give us that little bit of information. But, um, yeah, really looking forward to his involvement. That is a major coup, I've got to say. Mornay Morkel, one of the uh, real modern-day terrific South African fast bowlers, of course. Um, so uh, it'll be great, even for the, the likes of the experienced uh, Leah Tahuhu, etc., Jess Kerr, to get alongside that man. Oh, mate, it'll be absolutely outstanding. And uh, look, it's funny how things work. I was just driving home in, when I was back in Sydney and, and heard him on the radio saying that he was coaching Namibia and, and looking to expand his coaching. And, and I guess just took a little bit of initiative and, and gave him a, asked for his number and got a phone call. And, and he's, you know, he's been great already, like in terms of we've had a you know, few little issues with you know, organising grounds and, and warm-up venues and things like that. And he's actually jumped on the phone and organised a few things for us. So... Even just having someone on the ground like that's been great. But, yeah, for Leah and, and Jess and these girls to spend time with him and, and hear a different voice, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to learn myself as well. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. I, I just uh, wonder uh, also about the, the structure of the tournament. Can you explain uh, the group phase, etc., to us and, and who you're up against early? Yeah, so we play Australia, South Africa... Uh, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, so they're in our group. Uh, top two will go through. Um, there's two pools, obviously, so top two from each and then a, a semi and a final. So, yeah, look, looking at, you know, obviously you have to come top two in your group, so you'd have to think that our, our biggest challenges are Australia and, and South Africa, and, um, you know, that we got those two straight up. So uh, we're going to know pretty early where we sit in this tournament. So, um, yeah, we need to hit the ground running when we get over there. In terms of, um, the, you know, are you expecting spin to be a big factor uh, in this tournament? Yeah, I think it will. And I, I think, um, you know, from my understanding, there's three grounds. So, um, you know, obviously they're going to get used a little bit and, and as the tournament goes on. And look, it's always a big factor in, in women's cricket. And, and again, like I said, you know, we've sort of looked at our numbers over the last few years and, and our spin attack has, has probably been more dominant than our pace and, you know that's something that we're going to go into the into the series with and and look to utilise. So I think as the as the tournament goes on, it'll, it'll get more important as it always does. But um, yeah, look, our, our three are bowling particularly well. So um, I guess no matter the conditions, we're, we're going to put them up and see how they go. I know you're our man now, uh, Ben, but I, I would imagine you've had a, a pretty good look at uh, your former side, Australia. Uh, are they the team to beat in your regard? Yeah, I think they are. They're, they're an outstanding team, and you know they just they bat very deep, and and I think that's the the key to their success is that you know they, they talk about fearless cricket, and and everyone does these days, and you know they've they've obviously got batters all the way down to you know number nine and ten, like someone like Jess Jonathan, I think will bat nine, and so they can keep going. So I guess it, it's up to our bowlers to to try to curb that, and um, you know I think that's where their strength lies. So yeah, if we can come up with plans for each one and. You know, just look to contain them a little bit, which is easier said than done. Then, you know, hopefully then we can post a good score with the bat as well. But, yeah, look, they're an amazing team and, um, you know, they deserve their success. They work really hard, but, you know, we're going to put our best up against them. Uh, one of the other interesting developments in women's uh, T20 cricket in particular is uh, very seldom, of course, uh, there'll be a women's IPL um, and uh, it's coming in at a, a fairly good um, financial rate uh, for the ladies, of course. So that's got to be a great carrot, um, uh, particularly for uh, people, um, you know, looking to make uh, those particular squads, and and even I guess uh, for the likes of coaching staff as well, Ben. So that's going to be exciting. 
yeah, look, it is, and there's lots of you know stories and and bits of news floating around about it at the moment. And you know, I heard a stat the other day that in terms of just the um, media rights to it, that it's it's probably the second biggest cricket tournament in the world, just after the men's IPL. So, yeah, look, the girls have I guess worked really hard over a number of years, and and a few of them are gonna, like you just said, I guess in a way, cash in over the next few. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, they deserve it. It's really exciting, and. You know, the likes of Sophie Devine and Susie Bates, you know, I think they're, they're going to be players that are sought after in, in these teams and, and, you know, really good luck to them. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing, I think the teams get announced on the 25th of Jan and, and then they start auctions and things from there. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where everyone ends up. Ben Sawyer, uh, always great to catch up with you. Congratulations on the naming of that squad and uh, all the very best in your preparations and for the tournament proper. Exciting times ahead. Thanks, mate. Yeah, well, really appreciate your support. Thank you. Jez uh, Ben Sawyer there, head coach for the, the White Ferns. Uh, they named their squad this morning, and I, I shall name it for you now if you haven't heard it. Sophie Devine is captain. Susie Bates, uh, the new uh, signing, and uh, well, the new inclusion is uh, the one people are talking about. Uh, Bernadine uh, um Eden Carson, Lauren Down, Maddie Green, uh, Brooke Halliday, uh, Hayley Jensen, Fran Jonas, uh, Millie Kerr, Jess Kerr, Molly Penfold, Georgia Plummer, Hannah Rowe, and Leah Tahuhu, of course, from the Canterbury Magicians. So uh, that is uh, exciting times ahead, and uh, we'll watch that with interest. T20 cricket can throw up surprises. Wouldn't write them off. Uh, it's 9.46 here on SENZ. Experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hold Know when the fold Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away And know when to run Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Oh, yesterday was a bit of a nightmare, actually. The Dallas Mavericks led Atlanta uh, all the way down and then they had a poor fourth quarter and Atlanta got up and beat them quite comfortably. So uh, that was down the gurgler. Kasparud, who was the number two seed, was beaten by Jensen Brooksby uh, yesterday in the Australian Tennis Open. So the number two seed goes west in the men's, as did Anjabur, actually, uh, in the women's. So number two seed's out of the Australian Open. Uh, and the Cindy Thunder did get up and beat the Renegades. So the Renegades are pretty, having a pretty hapless time. Martin Guptill scoring 30 in uh, that particular performance. One for the weekend. Uh, we'll go the Cairns Taipans to beat the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Uh, they're at a buck 37. Uh, Australian Open tennis. So I'm going to go Francis uh, Tiafoe, the American, to beat Kashinov at a dollar 87. So that's a uh, dollar 87 each way. That I've gone for the American Tiafoe. Uh, and Melbourne City to beat the Brisbane Roar too. That's uh, tomorrow, I believe, uh, at a dollar 83 in the A League. So four dollars 68. Um, that will be uh, the result for that one. You know, life can be a beautiful thing. Sometimes you turn on the television and you think to yourself, out of the corner of your eye, uh, you'll watch a little bit EPL action this morning. And the whole build-up to the EPL action was about Manchester City. Manchester City. Manchester City. You hardly even knew who they were playing against. Well, they're playing against Spurs. And at the moment, at half-time, Spurs have scored two late goals to make it a 2-0 lead to Tottenham at Manchester City. Life can be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
And yes, the show is uh, brought to you by Brandt, uh, who are the John Deere suppliers throughout the country. Wonderful uh, green and yellow machines that they are. If you've uh, got some interest in John Deere, then uh, certainly head to uh, one of the Brandt outlets, uh, Brandt outlets around the North Island in particular. Um, it is uh, a wonderful company. Okay, so we have, uh, can I just tell you, uh, two nil, did, I, did I mention that? 2 nil to Spurs over Manchester City? I might have, yeah. Uh, goals to Kulisevsky and Emerson Royal, actually, in, uh, the f- in almost extra time in the first half. So a couple of defensive blunders uh, by Manchester City and Spurs latched onto them. Uh, right, okay, a couple of texts. Uh, good morning. Uh, would it be possible to explain how the TAB Pandas Club works on the Caraca Millions? A bit hard to understand it all on the TAB app. Thanks, Mark. Okay, so what we're going to do, Mark, is we're going to be talking to Paul Wilcox, who is the CEO of uh, the Auckland Racing Club, uh, after the 10 o'clock news. And then after that, our very own Brian Rodriguez will be uh, coming on uh, as well, and he'll be talking about our coverage here on SENZ of uh, Caraca Millions and also uh, the Pandas Club to answer any questions uh, that you've got in that regard. He's one of the head charangs when it comes to that. Um, it's, um, I, I never really got the chance to uh, ask Ben Sawyer, is he happy with the level of cricket in the Super Smash this season? Scott, I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen a lot of it. Uh, I don't know for sure. Um, I, I, I really... Would hope so. Um, Hi, Smithy. The waffle explanation regarding the exclusion of Kasparuk is beyond me. I wish New Zealand cricket would just tell us the truth. Why would you exclude one of your best bowlers, especially as we can't afford to be choosy? Maggie, I've got absolutely no idea. I did ask him, and I've got to take his word for it, but um, you obviously don't. Uh, and that's fair enough, too. And thanks for uh, contacting the show. 10 o'clock, Paul Wilcox next. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, what an exciting day tomorrow at uh, Pukekohe Park because uh, it's uh, the time for the Karaka Millions and uh, the feature races uh, will be the Double Tree by Hilton Karaka Million 2-year-old, uh, the Karaka Million 3-year-old classic as well. Um, and, of course, uh, there's a lot of support racing as well. Stakes in, in excess of uh, $2.5 million. Absolutely exciting. Uh, and it's a meeting that uh, Paul Wilcox is very much behind. He's the CEO of the Auckland Racing Club. He's put it together. But uh, this year round, uh, Paul Wilcox, good morning to you. You have a different venue. Uh, we do, and, and I'm not sure what I'm more excited about, actually making it on to your show or, or indeed tomorrow's <laughs> racing. But... Uh, Looking forward to uh, holding it out at Pukekohe tomorrow, and and uh, I'm sure the uh, little country club will do us proud. Uh, look, uh, uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, Paula, uh, this is, uh, I think, also one of your first um, big meetings that you've had to do without the legendary Bill Heap. How are you possibly co- coping? <laughs> we're we're coping well, Smitty. Yes, you will know, but no, look. It, it it is uh, it is uh, sad that we don't have Bill with us any any longer. Obviously, he hasn't passed away, but uh, <laughs> gone off to the to the good paddocks to to enjoy his Budweisers and 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 have a bit of time with himself and and play a bit of golf. Uh, but uh, no, we're coping. We're coping, Smitty. Oh, that's great to know because hard man to replace. Hey, Paul, uh, let's be let's uh, look at the um, early uh, logistics of it. We're still uh, basically twenty four hours uh, just over our, away from it. Weather and track at this point. Yeah, look, it's uh, the weather's looked like it's finally turned into summer for us. 
Uh, this morning we've got the track at a soft six, uh, which is bang on because uh, we obviously don't start racing until late in the day tomorrow. Uh, and we'll be looking at it being around that good four, uh, coming into a good three for the for the latter part of the racing tomorrow. So track bang on, rail out two metres, but uh, look, you can't ask for better how, how the weather's played its part for us in the lead up to what's a very important race day. Right, uh, let's uh, also look at, um, in terms of uh, the facilities, etc. So it's not at Ellerslie, we know that. You say it's uh, the country meeting as such, but how have you been able to try and emulate uh, your your various, um, I guess, entertainment areas and group areas that uh, you've been selling tickets in? Has that been easy to do? Uh, look, there, there has been challenges from a logistical uh, perspective when you, when you relate it back to um, Ellerslie, but... We've we've managed to create those areas that have been extremely well received, and obviously, uh, pretty much there's there's only really the GA that's available from from now on, and so uh, we've been delighted with how, particularly the Pukekohe community, how they've really embraced last couple of race days, and obviously this race day, it's great for them. They've obviously got uh, racing that they wouldn't normally see out there, which uh, we've been delighted to be able to, de- to deliver and, as well as them support us. Tremendous in the interest in the barrier draw, which we did um, on, on Wednesday, of course, and uh, the market is starting to reflect some of those changes in barrier draws, etc. and uh, jockeys' preferences, uh, the likes of Opie Boston, of course. But are you happy with the strength of the fields this year? People are saying they're very strong. Yeah, couldn't couldn't uh, look. This is going to be the three-year-old race of of the season, and probably one of the great three-year-old races that we would have seen in New Zealand. And and it's important to have those races because a lot of these horses, uh, they then will go and try their luck over in Australia and pick up some of their riches. But absolutely delighted with the three-year-old race, but but also the two-year-old race. It's got some fantastic horses in there as well, as do the undercards. So. Look from from a, a uh, administrator's perspective, absolutely delighted how those fields have come up, and all I can say is good luck if you're trying to pick a winner. How, how many how many staff do you second staff on for the, the big meetings, and and how do you work alongside uh, the county's racing club as such, and, and to you using their facility, etc. What about the staffing side of it, the administration side of it? Yeah, look, we've 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 merged over over the uh, probably the only benefit out of COVID, right? For us was we did a merger with uh, counties, Pukekohe Park, so that we're one and the same. So Ellerslie and Pukekohe are under the same umbrella. Auckland Thoroughbred Racing now, uh, which which that obviously makes it easier. But uh, we've got uh, their team that was there, and and our team we've merged the two together. So. Uh, Look, from a perspective of whether we're racing at Ellerslie or Pukekohe, that's easy. Uh, it, it does throw up its challenges where, where a lot of the infrastructure and, and uh, a lot of the grunt from Ellerslie has to get taken out there, which, which does logistically prove challenging. But, hey, that's, that's what we're in the game for. And then we swell up. We obviously bring in... We've got a, a, a workforce that work at Ellerslie and Pukekohe every day, but that that number swells magnificently to, to quite a quite a large number for, for these big days, as it does at Ellerslie if we're racing back here. But uh, look, those are those things we've just got to uh, 
be nimble and agile and be able to move with the times and, and increase the size of the staffing when we need to. Paul, obviously, uh, the, one of the features of Ellerslie is it's so accessible. It's uh, pretty much uh, Auckland Central as such and the uh, motorways all around it. Uh, when it comes to uh, Pukakui Park, of course, there's a bit more distance involved for uh, Auckland people as such. What about transport? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're bang on. And, and obviously, being, being in Ellerslie, we're lucky we've got the train station right across the motorway and, and the overpass where people can get off the trains when they're running. Um, and walk in, but uh, out at Pukekohe it does throw throw up some more logistical challenges from getting people out there. But uh, you know we've we've been uh, agile and, and clever enough to to realise a lot of our members that are based in Auckland they wanted to go out, so we've put on buses for for those folk. And then there's obviously the wonderful Ubers. A lot of Uber drivers are going to be very happy with the uh, fares that they'll be getting late on Saturday night, as well as uh, people using buses and taxis and, and there's a lot of people doing stone, paper, scissors to be the sober driver as well, which is which is critical. You know, we don't want people drinking and driving. Six, um, obviously six races, uh, abbreviated card as such, and the first goes uh, 4.09, the last uh, due to start at 7.28, of course, and but it doesn't stop, it doesn't stop there. Traditionally, it's uh, a reasonably good night out. Uh, yeah, it is. Obviously, uh, it's a little bit different. We're not having the uh, famous uh, Ellerslie after party. Uh, so, look, it won't be long. When I say it won't be long, it'll be an hour or so after the last that uh, we call call time on the drinks out there. And, and that's to be respectful of, obviously, uh, people that live out that way around, around the course and, and obviously heading back into town because there's a little bit more of a journey to get back into town for, for, for the greater party, for want of a better word, later on that evening. And, and I'm sure six, uh, six horses ownership groups are going to be having a good old night of it uh, on Saturday night, Smitty. I would imagine. So uh, just a text in from Greg Paul, if you could answer this, please. Uh, when do they stop putting water on the track? <laughs> Is that Greg that works out at Pukekohe or Greg? from one of your good listeners. Uh, oh, look, I hope it's Greg. Greg, one of my good listeners, I hope. <laughs> yes, yeah, same. Uh, look, uh, being, being a soft six, we won't be sticking any more water on now. We'll just let it come back in naturally uh, from today and, and uh, overnight and into tomorrow and the rest of the day tomorrow. So as I mentioned before, it should be nicer, bang on a good four for for uh, the start of the meeting and, and then... Uh, come back into a good three by those by those uh, later races. Right, Paul, uh, and my final question to you uh, is uh, about Ellerslie. Uh, how is the redevelopment going? Is it on track? Yeah, look, it's going well. Uh, obviously, the weather that we had uh, pretty much from springtime to now has, has been difficult, to say the least. Uh, that has put a, put a, pushed us back a little bit probably around the, the eight-week mark that we've been delayed because you can't obviously do any earthworks when it's raining and we've definitely had uh, a uh, probably the wettest, wettest uh, three months, November, October, November, December, since 1963 by over 100 mils here at Ellerslie. So we've had over 500 mils over that period, so that has slowed us up a little bit, but... These last few days and, and the boys and girls uh, from our respective 
contractors worked over that Christmas period, so hopefully we'll be able to start clawing back some of that time. But all going well, it's looking good, uh, and fingers crossed that we have a uh, nice, warm, wet winter where we can get some good grass growth and, and back into racing once the track's ready here at Alizy when we can. Cheers, Paul. Uh, fantastic catching up with you. All I can say is uh, may the good weather stay and the track stay perfect and uh, wish you all the best for a very successful uh, tomorrow afternoon out there at Pukekohe Park. Thanks for coming on, mate. All the best. Good man. Thanks, mate. Cheers, uh, Paul Wilcox there, CEO of the Auckland Racing Club. Uh, as promised, we'll get Brian uh, Rarieri across to the microphone now. I can tell you um, <clears throat> my joy was very short-lived. It's now 2-2. Uh, 2-2 between uh, Tottenham Hotspur and Manchester City and Spurs are just falling apart at the back and it's a horrible thing to witness. All right, uh, Brian, uh, tomorrow our coverage here on SENZ. Can you tell us about that first of all? Okay, so the good oil starts at a later time this weekend at 3pm. Uh, uh, we still run for the same amount of time, uh, so we'll go 3 to 8. 8 o'clock we finish there, so we'll get in all of the races from uh, Pukakoi Park there that uh, Paul was talking about, as well as the last of the uh, two other cards that are happening in the country uh, tomorrow. Um, right, okay. Clado, Louis and Andrew Scott will be presenting from the track and they'll be pulling in different people throughout the day for quick interviews and chats with them. So should be really cool. Um, we have our own punters club as well. Uh, and if you want to get into that, you listen to the Mao Run from 8am with Louis Herman Watt and Mick Guerin. Right, okay. And uh, the punters club as such, would you have the answer to this question? Would it be possible to explain how the TAB Punters Club works on the Karaka Millions, but hard to understand on the TAB app. That's from Mark. Have you got the answer to that? Sort of. Okay, and, and then uh, I guess when we bring Louis on, he can flesh out what I don't hear, but what I believe he's talking about, the boys get paid, the BGP um, Punters Club. It's very, very simple if you if you have access to a computer to go to their, to their website, it's probably a bit easier than the app to navigate through that. You click on the banner there and they've got a link. So uh, you click that link there, you place a bet on, on that. There's only one bet you can place. So you place a bet, you put your amount of money and that's your stake basically into this, into this punters club. Now um, they've got, they're running the bets updates. They've already made a couple of bets. They've placed a multi. Um, uh, yeah, place the multi running at Pukekohe Park first three races so you can check that out as well on their website and then it's got everything you need to know um, ignore the odds that you see when placing your bet and every dollar you bet on the option gives you a dollar in the punters club so uh, if you place a bet of $100 on their code that they've got for you on their special page on the TAB website um, you will get a $100 share and the boys get paid punters club syndicate Right, Brian Rarity there with the definitive on uh, that and uh, any other information we'll get from uh, Louis Herman Watt when we chat to him uh, a little later in the hour. We have now um, got a panel coming up which I'm very excited about. Uh, James Regan is uh, coming in this morning uh, along with Lavina Good and we'll have some nice league stuff for Lavina Good to talk about very shortly parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. 
Right, it's panel time with uh, Lavina Good this morning and uh, James Regan alongside her. So, uh, Lavina and James, uh, happy New Year to uh, both of you. First chance I've uh, had uh, to speak to you in uh, 2023. Uh, and Lavina, let's start on some league, shall we? Um, Logan and Swinkles, our producer, went out to Media Day yesterday at uh, Mount Smart with uh, the Warriors, where it was named uh, Tohu Harris to be the captain again for Andrew Webster. So, uh, what do you make of that, Lavina? Yeah, uh, g'day, Smitty and James. Lovely to speak to you. Yep, happy New Year. And I wasn't surprised by that decision. I know the Warriors fans are, are looking for a few changes. Um, one would be to win some games. That'd be a beauty. And uh, and a few of them were kind of suggesting maybe Paul Harris wasn't the right man for the job. But who else is there, Smitty? And the thing is, I've been fortunate enough to have um, some corridor with Tohu uh, in the past. And not only does he carry so much mana and so much respect on the pitch, but when he isn't playing, he demands respect as well. So he missed out on that first half of last year after that horror knee injury and he came back with a plomb and just to have his presence out there will do the Warriors very very well indeed I, I guess the other options people were talking about Sean Johnson who's probably a little bit too show pony Wade Egan lucky to be there maybe even Zelezniak, who I don't even reckon has enough mana so he's the man for the job he'll do his best to get the Warriors through the season but a word of warning for those Warriors fans Smitty this is not their year this is a year of rebuilding and for Andrew uh, Webster to establish himself as an NRL coach. They need to throw the gold coin at uh, Asofa Solomon next year to get him over to the Warriors and then they'll be looking at a, a decent top eight. So just get through the season, Warriors fans. Celebrate your excellent captain and celebrate every victory. They may be far and few between. Oh, OK. Big call from Lavina Good early on in the piece. Do you concur, James Regan? Uh, yeah, certainly with, with some of it. I think Tohu, uh, as captain, is, is a no-brainer. I don't think anyone would have been close to kind of taking that off him. Andrew Webster kind of hinted the only way that that would be the case if it, is if Tohu maybe didn't want it or wanted to focus on, on playing um, in his own game for the year. But that was clearly just never going to be the case because of the, the reasons that Lavina mentioned, that he's got so much mana. He's, he's probably, I think still the only player that's been there through this whole COVID journey, um, if I'm right, in terms of being away from his family in New Zealand as well. I think they do have a, a good crop of leaders. Uh, I think Sean, um, certainly watching training yesterday, was, you know, particularly to some of the younger players, giving them a, a bit of guidance, which was good to see. Chancellor Pogta is, is, is a great lad, great uh, great leader as well. I think that would Watson Lesniak does carry a bit of mana in that team. There's no doubt about that. And so already there's a few names that have been, you know, exploded around that will help talk you out, which I think is great. And you'll certainly need it because it isn't going to be an easy season. Um, it is a bit of a rebuilding year, although they, they won't say it, but that they kind of deserve a bit of a rebuilding year as well, considering what they've been through. But they also know there's, there's no excuses this year. They need to be a whole lot better than they were last year, that's for sure. Newly appointed Australian rugby coach, uh, second time round for Eddie Jones, has rejected the theory, Lavina, of Peter Volandis that rugby is too boring for league players to even consider defecting across the line, urging the NRL boss to leave the TAB and take up his invitation to attend some super rugby games. Good old Eddie, eh? He hasn't wasted any time. <laughs> I love this spat between Valandis and Eddie Jones. I really do. I find it 
highly entertaining. And, I mean, Eddie Jones isn't even in the country of Australia yet, hasn't even left uh, London to take on the reins, but he's already uh, dishing out the jig, which I, I think is outstanding. You're kind of asking the wrong girl here because I'm a full-on leaguey, Smitty. I, I'd watch every single game of rugby league every weekend and I definitely don't watch every single game of rugby every weekend and for me I do find rugby league far more entertaining I find rugby uh, a tad sometimes the whistle's blown a bit much and I also found it interesting Eddie Jones came out and said the Wallabies need to rebuild their discipline was really poor they need to adapt to the rules and I'm like man I I struggle with the rules and I'm in the industry uh, to try and find out what's going on every every time so there's an argument there I guess between league and rugby that could be discussed uh, amongst many of fans over and over again but you know both sports without a doubt money talks in rugby and rugby league and if Eddie Jones is willing to chuck the coin out to some of those players I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of those leagueies might be heading his way I don't know if that's the answer for the Wallabies and I don't even know if that's his indication at the moment but yeah he's highly entertaining and he's already I guess let us all know what he's going to do with the Wallabies and that's trying to improve culture improve their defense and also try and win some games I love this controversy it entertains me greatly James, uh, I would just wonder what uh, you made of the way they, they handled uh, the Dave Rennie, Eddie Jones scenario. Um, Marinos, uh, the CEO, saying uh, really nice things about what uh, Dave Rennie had done in terms of building depth and having to cope with a pretty depleted squad at times. And uh, uh, the boss, Hamish McLennan, just come out and said, we've finally got our man, basically, and uh, really flies in the face of Dave Rennie. Yeah, the whole... The whole way it unfolded was really interesting, wasn't it, in terms of it was obviously a leak. Um, it got leaked to the media and, and Rugby Australia probably didn't want it to get out when it did, which made it all the more interesting for those watching, especially on this side of the Tasman. But there's no doubt that if you see Eddie Jones is available in the way he was, and I think I'm a huge Eddie Jones fan, I think England was absolutely mad to let him go, especially this close to a World Cup. I think if you're Rugby Australia, you go, well, why would we not get him? It's kind of irrelevant who was in charge. Dave Rennie would just happen to be there at the, you know, at the wrong time for him. Um, and I think all the all the narrative around how average this Wallabies team is and the crop of players they have is right. It's, it's average. I mean, they had a really good chance to dispatch the All Blacks or at least get one over the All Blacks last year on, you know, a pretty poor season for the All Blacks by their standards, and they couldn't. And that kind of says all you need to know. So in terms of the interest that he'll bring to rugby, I think it's great as well. He, there's kind of an irony in saying, and him saying, that, you know, Super Rugby's not boring. Well, Super Rugby is actually very boring. It's just ironic that Eddie Jones is now the most interesting thing about rugby in this part of the world now because you watch. He is going to bring eyeballs to the game. I can't wait for the Bledsloe series. Uh, it's probably going to be the most exciting Bledsloe series in a long time, purely because we know Eddie Jones will come after the All Blacks in the media. He'll do whatever he can to kind of disrupt them. And in the past, when he's been England's coach, it's worked. So I think both in terms of a rugby point of view, he will definitely turn the Wallabies around. No doubt about that. But also from a, an engagement point of view, he will bring people back to rugby in Australia, whether that's players, fans, whoever. He, he is an attractive prospect and, and he is a very good coach, but also he plays the game far better than most. So it's a great coup for Rugby Australia. 
Lavina Good and James Regan with us this morning on the panel. We shall take a, a short interlude, and uh, when we return, uh, we might talk a little bit of cricket, a little bit of boxing as well uh, here on SENZ. Listen to AO Radio 24-7 on the SENZ app. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. James Regan, Lavina Good with us uh, this morning on the panel. This is part two, and that includes a quick chat now, uh, Lavina, about uh, Joseph Parker in action uh, this weekend against uh, Jack Massey. Got to confess, don't know too much about Jack Massey, but I do know Joseph Parker doesn't win this one. Uh, that's got to be the end, doesn't it? Yeah, mate. I love my boxing, and hats off free to air. Isn't it nice not to have to pay 50 bucks to watch some boxing? So I'm, I'm kind of happy about that one. The thing I'm wondering, though, uh, Smitty and James, is how much that defeat to Joe Joyce in September rocked the confidence of Parker. And, and lots of your listeners would go, of course, it rocked the confidence. But I guess the question has to be asked, did it light a fire, or has it literally thrown some water on the coals? Uh, Jack Massey is another Brit, like Joyce. He... Uh, He's a big lad, but he uh, he's a Division One no-name fighter. And the last time a, a cruiserweight fighter came at Parker was back in 2020 when he uh, knocked out Shondell Winters. So he's not afraid, Parker. He's talking the talk at the moment. He has to walk the walk in the ring. Uh, I think Nassi had a 21 victory cruiserweight. So he's got a fire in his belly. He's the one that wants to come out and prove that he can handle the heavyweight division. But I guess Parker's taller, he, he weighs more he's saying that he's going to absolutely smash him that Nassie has nothing to lose and if this is a defeat for Joseph Parker, and I hope it isn't I do enjoy watching him box, but if he does manage to face defeat, I think that the, uh, the danger bells will be ringing within that Parker camp for sure Yeah, James, what do you make of uh, this um, particular bout? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? There's no doubt that he has to he has to win and he has to win really well, which he hasn't done for a while. He hasn't really put some away. He had a couple of brutal bouts against uh, Chisora and then obviously that one against Joyce. So he has to really try and stab the mark. And, and I think more than anything, he has to show that this kind of improvement that he's been talking about under Andy Lee and training with Tyson Fury and all of these things that he's saying that are going to help him back to the, you know, somewhere to the top of the heavyweight division, he has to show that the, that it's actually working and he has to kind of execute um, what he's been talking about, which is a hard thing to do for, for any you know professional boxer and, and such a high-stakes bout, but there's no doubt he has to do it. I think Andy Lee said as much um, in, the, in the press yesterday that if he doesn't win and win well, then he, he should maybe look at doing something else. I'm sure he will win. Um, he has to have that kind of cutting edge ruthlessness that we haven't quite seen as often as we would have liked from Joe. Um, but it's a perfect opportunity. It's an early uh, early fight in the year. Hopefully he'll get a couple more after this um, and we can really have a proper look at where Joe is at in terms of the rest of the division going forward. But it starts this weekend um, and he has to win um, brutally. I think it's probably the word you'd, you'd have to use. He has, he has to win in a, in a savage way uh, and show that he means business. And, yep, great that it's on free-to-wear on TV3 as well. So how good? How good's that? Uh, look, on a, a return to the ring for Joseph Parker, pretty quick one after his last loss, but it's been a, a long, long time since we've seen uh, Kyle Jamieson at the bowling crease, Lavina, and that appears to be the case today. 
uh, when he'll uh, rejoin his Auckland Aces against the Wellington and the Super Smash. Of course, uh, just four overs, uh, that'll be his maximum workload there. But it would be nice to see the Kyle Jamison we used to know who hit the scene so uh, quickly and strongly back in action. Yeah, we need him. Um, making the comeback, hey, on the outer oval at Eden Park, that's pretty exciting. And I agree, Smitty, like four overs is, is probably enough. The best news is that he's um, delivering full running bowling, and, and that's what we want to see from him. I know he'd have his eye on the World Cup in October and November, and with no Trent Bolt for the Black Caps, there's definitely a need for him to, to return to the game. Word has it that um, he'll be up and running, literally, for the Test match against England at the Mount in four weeks' time. I've already got my tickets, mate, and uh, the reason is because hopefully I get to see him as well in some world-class cricket at one of the greatest ovals in all of New Zealand at Mount Monganui Bay Oval. So I'm definitely excited by that, and I'm excited for his comeback. So let's hope that that back injury that I think he injured against the Poms, wasn't it, last June, Smitty? You would know, wasn't it, then, mm. that he, he stuffed his back? Yep. So I'm hoping that... That's been treated well. The physio's working okay. He eases into it with four four overs uh, today, and we get good insight as to how well he can play when he takes on the Poms at the Mount, which will be an absolutely tremendous test series. Okay, so how are we going to combat Bazball then, Lavina? <laughs> it's not going to be easy, is it? This is the thing. And also, like, I know we're... we're we're um, discussing particular players at the moment, but how good has the cricket been? Uh, people are mm. talking about cricket at the moment more than the Aussie Open. I mean, Bracewell, for me, is just a shining light for, for the Black Caps. I, I love watching him play at the moment. Um, nearly getting that double century for India. I mean, he's only 23 years of age, and he joins the ranks of, what, Saywag and Sharma and Sachin Tendulkar. But the issue for the Black Caps, I guess, is the fact that Conway, Nichols and Mitchell, I think between them, they only scored 37 runs. And that's a massive issue. So we need a bowler to come back and deliver some tears in bowling. But I think also the Black Caps need to look at what's happening in that middle to top order and have a little bit more security, more ascendancy to, to keep the fans. But it certainly was an exciting game of cricket. I'm loving the cricket lately. Yeah, I, I am too, actually. And uh, I look forward to that series. And um, I might even get a seat on um, that wonderful ground as well, um, Basin Reserve. I think that's probably the best ground, isn't it, Lavina? Still no? <laughs> You're a Basin Reserve man, aren't you? That's your favourite, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> I like the Basin. Yeah. Sentimental, sentimentally, I like the Basin Reserve, Lavina. But anyway, um, the, the Bay Oval is, as you say, a fantastic venue. Um, uh, and James, I would imagine you're going to be showing uh, quite a bit of interest in the series coming up as well uh, with the re-emergence of Kyle Jamison. Now, here's a bloke uh, who not long ago uh, signed a deal for $2.78 million. Life changed very quickly for him, but it's hardly been seen at the bowling crease since. Yeah, it's kind of a, a thing that sends shivers down your spine when you're, when you're talking about fast bowlers and back injuries, isn't it, given particularly New Zealand's history um, in that area, you, you kind of wish him all the best and, and you hope that he does kind of ease into things and doesn't rush back because he's got such a, a big career ahead of him. Um, and we've seen already some amazing stuff from him. And I think, just talking about England and baseball, New Zealand are going to need everything they've got for that series. Um, the way England are going and have gone and the confidence that will they'll bring coming down here. New Zealand need everything they've got. And Cole Jamison, especially going forward, um, it's a massive part of that. So I hope he is um, firmly on the map. Hopefully he gets a few games for Auckland and then 
uh, he's ready to rip in because yeah, the Blackouts are going to need everything to go their way. I think in this in this series, which is going to be an amazing series to kind of round off what has been a pretty average summer of cricket down here, which has been pretty disappointing. Um, it's great to see the the Blackouts, you know, playing in Pakistan and all that, but to to not have them here as much. It's been a this morning, so a couple of good games against England should be a, a nice sweetener. I like. I, I totally agree. It's been a bit of a damp squib. I think it's fair to say the weather hasn't helped, and uh, it just really it feels to me as if it hasn't got going. And let's hope that Baz can fire it up with his uh, highly performed uh, England side with uh, Ben Stokes, of course, at the helm. Right, uh, Lavina Halbergs. Uh, um, of course, um, we'll find out the details of the awards uh, next month in February. But I, I just need to, to know from you, your moment, your moment. And when you see the nominations, is your moment one of them or outside them? Uh, yeah, for me, Zoe Zdowski Senate, I was fortunate enough to be at the, the Winter Olympics and uh, I was commentating on the uh, biathlon and cross-country but had an opportunity to, to duck over and, and watch her win her gold. And there's just something about a, a young lady that's just an, an average Kiwi that has had the support of her whanau to to be a world-class athlete, uh, to not be afraid to express her emotion and elation at winning a gold medal, as well as being so humble along the way. And I really do believe that snow sports has waited a very, very, very long time to win a massive accolade. And uh, she's, she's the girl for me. And I think that moment from 2022 and winning that medal will resonate with me for a very long time. And I'm giving her the big tick to take it out, buddy. Okay, uh, and so uh, what about the moment though? You know, the one we're voting on from a public point of view. A lot of people going for uh, Ruby Tui um, when she got up on stage and, and uh, got the crowd going at Eden Park. Was that a moment for you or was there one outside of that as well? No, that, that probably wasn't the moment for me. Um, I think Ruby Tui is a tremendous athlete and she did so well uh, for the Blackburn in general. Uh, but that, for me, um, wasn't a standout moment. Uh, probably the fact that I was with a bunch of, of mates and I didn't get an opportunity to go watch the Black Ferns play, but I was with a bunch of mates that um, are staunch rugby fans that watch a whole lot more rugby than I do, and they've always been heavily invested in men's rugby and the All Blacks, and they had tears in their eyes when the Black Ferns managed to defeat England in a nail-biter. Nail and when I looked at these guys and saw tears in their eyes, I guess... For me, the moment was um, the women's black ferns taking women's rugby from 20 years ago where people used to say, oh, I don't like women tackling each other, to having a nation behind them and having these two guys cry and celebrate the victory is something that's a small moment for me that will, will stick with me forever, buddy. Cool. Okay. Uh, and James, for you? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go with that. Um, the black ferns winning moment as well it was just kind of a, a perfect storm um, of everything that preceded that World Cup. Uh, the way it, you know, the, the New, Ze New Zealand public kind of fought into it as it went on and then to finish the final and the way they did with that line-out steal was just, it's everything you watch sport for, right? That that heart-and-mouth moment where you're really not sure what's going to happen and, and, you know, a packed Eden Park, it was, uh, it was just brilliant. So I think anything else, you know, there's probably daylight between that 
Okay, James Regan and Lavina Gooda, thank you so much for your participation and your views on the panel this morning. And uh, we'll have another one on Monday and uh, speak to you both again shortly, I hope. It is uh, coming up to 10.43 here on SENZ. And the world was a beautiful place about uh, 50 minutes, 60 minutes ago uh, when Spurs were leading Manchester City 2-0. Uh, now they trail 3-2. Unbelievable turnaround. Shocking bunch. Who'd support Spurs anyway? Uh, it's uh, 10.43 here on SENZ. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 4-2 now. 4-2 to Manchester City. Another um, mistake at the back for Tottenham Hotspur defensively. They have been woeful in the second half, blowing a 2-0 lead. So 4-2, uh, and they're heading uh, pretty much into injury time now. Time added on. So that's done and dusted. Um, interesting uh, word here from Chris who said, yeah, good on women's rugby, but they only just beat England, who had 14 women for most of the game. It was 14 nil into the red card. Well, uh, you've still got to abide by the rules, Chris, and you can only beat what you can. I would have thought, here's one of the, the moments I would have thought, uh, which was interesting too. Um, I, I wouldn't have been the, the big sigh of relief moment when the French woman missed the conversion or missed the penalty. Now, that would have been a moment around uh, Eden Park uh, where all the hearts, New Zealand hearts, were stopped, 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 and then they started beating again. Collectively, they started beating at a different rate. Um, and when the when the French woman missed that kick, so uh, I would have thought if you were looking at moments during that tournament, that was one that probably affected New Zealand just as much uh, as winning the tournament. Because uh, without that, that would never have, have happened. Uh, speaking of uh, world-class players, uh, oh, is this? Joey just come in. Welcome back, Smithy. Don't worry, Spurs will come right. Just look at Man United, my team. The mighty Reds. Glory, glory, Man United. Good on you, Joey. Uh, okay. Uh, speaking of football, Chris Wood. Chris Wood, uh, tell us a wee bit what's happening with this mooted change or move to Nottingham Forest on loan, please, Logan. So Chris Wood has agreed to join Nottingham Forest on loan until the end of the season. The Newcastle striker has 18 months left on his contract, having signed for $25 million last January. There is an obligation for Wood to remain at Forest should his loan prove a success for the club. Uh, and then according to... Dummer Sheath from Sky Sports in the UK. Nottingham Forest will pay Newcastle in the region of £15 million in the summer should Chris Wood meet those conditions of his loan agreement. So interesting moves here for Chris Wood. Interesting indeed. And uh, you would kind of think that uh, he'd just want to play, wouldn't he? Uh, I mean, you know, the, at this stage, Nottingham Forest sit 13th uh, on the table. So... They're not uh, anywhere near, or are they anywhere near relegation? They're, uh, how many points have they got? Uh, 20 there at the moment. Um, they're about five clear of the relegation zone, which is made up of uh, West Ham United, Everton and Southampton. So uh, there are three sides with some pretty proud football, uh, football history and uh, looking for the drop there. Um, and so uh, at this stage, Nottingham Forest, not guaranteed halfway through the season, but at this point they're looking okay in 13th place, which means uh, he's in a side that can play with a bit more freedom. Um, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one with, with Chris Wood, I, I feel. I mean, um, he's a terrific player, there's no doubt about it. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Nottingham Forest, terrific club with a great history. 10.51, uh, we're going to talk to, to Louis and to Pip before 11. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
Well, speaking of equipment, uh, I've just uh, witnessed something unusual. Um, in the Manchester City uh, Totten Tottenham Hotspur aftermath, uh, celebrating with the crowd, Alvarez, of course, who was one of the Argentinians that won the uh, World Cup, just took off his shorts, gave it to a fan. So he's had to run across the field in just his underwear, which was uh, a little bit unusual. I'm not sure if there are any ramifications. You can't give a guy a yellow card for doing that after the match, I guess. But it was unusual. Um, probably uh, something Pip Morris has seen a hundred times before anyway as she joins us uh, on behalf of the TAB. Uh, Pip, good morning to you um, and uh, it just continues to be a bumper time at the TAB, the Aussie Open of course and then this weekend of racing, particularly Pukekohe, massive. Oh absolutely, it is Millie, good morning to you and we've got that Karaka Million hub as well on tab.co.nz so there are so many options to get available get involved with Karaka Million Night and I can tell you and the two features the Karaka Million two-year-old and three-year-old well Trobran taking the most money in the two-year-old no real surprise there uh, with Opie Boston choosing him and Legato still the best back you can get her boosted as well uh, followed by Tupacaka on the whole card and of course uh, he's been well spent in his race Legato boosted is the best back special and of course BGP they've already got involved they've got an $80,000 bet on it's a multi similar to return $1 million and that's their first bet and it is Maven Bell boosted into Imperatories to win and Tupacaka so we wish them well So are we looking at uh, another bumper day out for Tiakau is that how it's shaping up in your mind? I certainly think so I mean I know a lot of people are really keen on a pair of trees at 140, and she does look the horse to beat in that Group 1 railway. I mean, they've got such a good record in that two-year-old Karaka Million. And then, I mean, I'm in Legato's camp, but it's hard to knock out uh, Wild Night in that race as well. And that's just three smithies. So, look, it could be a tangerine night for sure. We've seen that in the past, but I'm sure there's plenty of other trainers that are hoping to spoil the party there. And I don't mind Impenda Bell to Tony Pike. I'm not willing to drop her just yet in that two-year-old. Yeah, there's a lot of options actually starting to... Uh, just to make themselves a, a little bit more apparent. I don't, I'm not quite sure even if the three-year-old is just a two-horse affair either, uh, to be perfectly honest, Pip. So um, so that's uh, your best. Uh, of course, there's Greyhounds today, Addington and Palmerston North. Yeah, there certainly is. And Addington is a great meeting, but Palmerston North is the one that you just don't want to miss. There's a really nice contest. You've got Mustang Charlie up against Carey Street. Uh, Lisa Cole's got a new debutante starting and it ran third behind a dog that won yesterday at Cambridge and almost picked it up in its qualifying trial so have a look out for that as well with first starter there and I really like one too if you're looking for one and race number three big time bashful smithy I think it's around five dollars and fifty cents I do think it's worth a play in race number three. Good on you Pip uh, have a, a wonderful weekend uh, as you said uh, yesterday you won't be going to Pukekohe Park but uh, you'll have Valuable input, I'm sure, over the weekends of uh, racing coverage. Thanks very much and have a, a terrific time of it. Uh, we're going to focus uh, in on the Australian Open tennis uh, after the break with Jordan Cornelis. Uh, Jordan is an SEN tennis commentator. Uh, I've had a couple of texts in regarding the tennis. So I'll ask him questions from those. Um, and then uh, who's left? Took both number two seeds bowing out. But Andy Murray, Sir Andy Murray's charge continues. And that was something to witness. It's 11 o'clock here on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Game 
On one of the most memorable nights here in Melbourne of anyone's lifetime, Andy Murray somehow masters Kokonakis in the greatest comeback of his career, in the longest match of his career. Unbelievable scenes. Uh, I was going to say last night, but in fact it was this morning, <coughs> around about 6 o'clock New Zealand time, when that match between Andy Murray and uh, Australian Tanasi uh, Kokonakis finally finished. Uh, and uh, if you listen to the reaction from the crowd there, you might have thought you were at Wimbledon because uh, it seemed that uh, half the crowd or more than half the crowd were with Sir Andy as opposed to their local lad. But uh, it's been a fantastic uh, Australian Open in the first week and uh, we've seen uh, a few uh, demises of some uh, genuine contenders uh, and we've seen some uh, absolute brilliance from uh, Andy Murray twice now in five setters uh, and calling it till uh, the early hours of the morning on our behalf on SEN and SENZ uh, Live has been one Jordan Cornelis. Jordan, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I'm amazed that you're awake. <laughs> Morning, Ian. Yes, uh, I think uh, I think some people have to make a few sacrifices and maybe give that one a uh, you know not go all the way with that one because that finished at uh, well just after four a.m. Australian time here. So I I we we went off there last night after the Alex Demonor match, but I stayed up and watched up to the third set. I think it was or the end of the third set of of Kokonakis, so I went to bed at about 2am and I thought, ah, I've got to be up early <laughs> the next morning to do uh, to do this and then to head in for, for the next day, but um, unbelievable match, yeah. Uh, I, I, it's um, To see that kind of match, that kind of calibre in the second round of the Australian Open, that, that's the second longest match ever at the Australian Open after the, uh, the 2012 final, um, and it was only eight minutes shy of the record, so that just goes to, to show how long that match went. It started at 1030 uh, local time, but incredible by Andy Murray, 35 years old. He's got a metal hip. He's had hip injuries for the last couple of years, and to be able to come out and do that is just remarkable. Well, it's twice in a row too, Jordan, because uh, he had a marathon five set or two against Berenetti uh, in the last round. Uh, so over 10 hours on court and two. Now, how do you think, uh, I know he, he's, he's driven by heart, he's driven by emotion, but what about the body now uh, as he looks at uh, Batusta Agu coming up next? Yeah, well, Andy Murray's always been, I mean, at least as far as his, his engine goes, his stamina, he's always been one of the best um, on the tour. So I think um, endurance-wise, he, he, I mean, he's obviously going to be pretty spent, but he is one of the best equipped players endurance-wise. Um, but uh, as far as how his, his body physically is going to hold up, so the aches and pains... Um, yeah, that's going to be a huge test against Batista Agut. And, and Batista Agut's played some long matches as well in this tournament. So it's going to be two pretty uh, weary players that step out onto court tomorrow in their match in the third round. But um, I, I was thinking maybe at the start of that match, given he went two sets down to Kokonakis, and I thought, OK, maybe it has caught up with him after that first match. Um, and I was expecting Murray to sort of Maybe it would have been, you know, that was the match that, that saw him out of the tournament. Um, he proved us wrong or proved me wrong uh, on that front. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. It's, 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 it's strange because it's kind of a, a renewed Andy Murray. So we haven't really seen him play at this level for a long, long time. So this is really the first time we're seeing him get back to this level, playing the way that he used to play. So it's going to be new to us, really, or... or uh, not new, we've seen him do it before, but it's going to be new the second time around, this second wave of 
okay, can he go uh, again in a third match in a row the distance if he has to go the distance to Roberto Batista? Good, but I would I would I I have a bit of faith in him because I just know how um, how lion hearted he is. Mm. Interesting. Okay, let's uh, look at um, other events uh, in round two, and uh, that uh, included. The demise of Casper uh, Ruud uh, out to Jensen Brooksby from uh, the United States. That was a turn-up. It, w- it was, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, I was lucky enough to, to go and sit out and watch a bit of this match. And um, and Brooksby is he's a fascinating player. He's, um, he's a young Californian kid. Um, he doesn't hit the ball super hard. He's not a, not a powerful player, really, but he's just got good placement. And, and that was uh, more than enough to, to have Casper Ruud um, uh, darting around the, the baseline and, and really at full stretch against Jensen Brooksby, who had the chance to, to win the match in the third set and, and take it in straight sets. He lost that third set from uh, from a couple of match points up. Casper um, Ruud broke back and then took that third set. So that was a mental blow for Brooksby to not be able to clean it up in straights. But he came back out in the fourth set and um, and won at 6-2. So he's clearly got a, uh, he's got a good mindset to be able to do that against the world number two on centre court. And that was on Rod Laver Arena. That was a huge upset, mm. massive upset yesterday. Yeah, definitely. And, and just overall on the men's side, that was one of six seeds that fell uh, yesterday. And that was the biggest one. So uh, the Americans, they've been on the march. A lot of, um, a lot of new names to, to tennis audiences from the United States came out and really showed up yesterday. And, and uh, one of the other seeds to go was the eighth seed, uh, also from America, and Taylor Fritz, which was good news for Australia. Absolutely, yeah. This was the one bad story for the United States, was their top-ranked player, Taylor Fritz, uh, lost to Alexi Popperin uh, in five sets. So Australia had a, had a decent day yesterday, uh, despite Fanasi Kokonakis's loss. Popperin got through, Alex Dimonor got through, but uh, yeah, Alexi Popperin defeating Taylor Fritz was... Um, definitely one out of the blue, for, for sure. I mean, Popperin's been rated as a, as a good player um, coming through the ranks here in Australia, but um, his match from a few nights ago against uh, against Jason Tseng from Chinese Taipei wasn't that impressive, to be honest. It went five sets, and Popperin didn't really look to be that sort of authoritative figure that we expected him to be in that match a few nights ago against a lower-ranked opponent. So the fact he got through that, and then the fact he came out and really turned it up against the world number eight was quite surprising, um, but but very um, but very reassuring that Popperin does you know we we know he's had the talent, but to be able to put it together against a big name player on a big stage um, was just incredible. He hits the ball really well. He's a good mover as well. He's just an athletic, tall player. Um, so that's a, that's a massive upset. I had Taylor Fritz down as my underdog to win the tournament. So. For him to go early and for Popperin to go through, is um, that was definitely one of the major stories yesterday. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Jordan, we had a couple of texts in this morning knowing full well that you were coming on and uh, uh, someone has come in and said, uh, is Novak Djokovic faking this injury because he seems to be finishing his matches quite strongly? Uh, just wonder whether he's foxing a wee bit. What have you made of him so far? Yeah, it's interesting. I was uh, I had a close eye on this match last night uh, on the broadcast, and it was I think he was definitely he is definitely injured. He ha- he has had a, a hamstring injury um, coming into uh, into this tournament that has that has hampered him. He went off at the end of the second set and um, and had uh, some had a medical timeout. Well, might be end of the first set. I beg your pardon. End of the first had a medical timeout. Had some medication. Apparently, that was his words after the match. He got some medical advice. Restrapped the hamstring, 
Um, I don't doubt there's an injury there because he was not moving all that well. But we have seen Novak Djokovic in the past, um, uh, you know, seemingly get himself hurt in a match, injured in some way, and then come out, look a little proppy, and then just continue to build and, and almost grow um, in confidence and, and sort of regain his movement and his his ability to extend to either wing of the court uh, as the match goes on. So you sometimes think, well, is he injured? I'm not quite sure. He's looking, he's looking like he's getting better. So this might have been that case there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Looking at, I mean, we're in the second round, so there's still a long way to go for Djokovic. There's another, what, five matches for him to play. I don't know if he'll be able to go all the way, but um, but yeah, I think there's, there is definitely a mental aspect to it where he, he gets himself injured, thinks, well, lets his opponent think that they might have a chance and then comes back and ends up wiping the floor with them as he did last night, winning those second set or those last two sets, 6-2, uh, 6-love. Six, six, um, yeah, I definitely think there's an element to, to him uh, foxing his opponents and playing that mental game. But I also do think there is that, that injury there. That is, uh, that's, that's true. Would you expect him, um, injury um, aside, uh, to, to account for Dimitrov, Grigor Dimitrov on Saturday? Um, yeah, I think he's got the ability to. Yeah, Dimitrov's a talented player. He uh, might not have reached his, his full potential in his career, Grigor Dimitrov, but he's a very talented player. But... Um, yeah, I definitely would give give Novak Djokovic a. Uh, uh, I'd probably put him as the favourite in that match. Definitely, yeah. Okay, so uh, just from our point of view, we're sort of claiming Cameron Norrie because he was a Kiwi for a long period of his uh, life in terms of his early tennis as well. Um, and he's up against uh, Leheka in the third round today. Cameron Norrie's chances? Yeah, I give him a give him a good chance. He was um, he was really tested the other night against the uh, an unknown Frenchman, Constant Lestienne, who not many people have heard of, uh, me included. He's come through the challenges uh, circuit, which is the 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 second tier tour of men's tennis. Um, and Norrie was was really challenged by this unknown Frenchman the other night on uh, on one of the back courts late at night. He was taken to four sets, um, but uh, but against uh, Lehechka from uh, from the Czech Republic, I believe he's from. He's he's a good player. He's a talented player. Um, again, he's probably more of an unknown quantity, but I think he'll be. Um, I think he'll sort of rise up through the next year or so and, and become maybe a more regularly known player, uh, Lehechka. But Cam Norrie, yeah, I, I think he's. Um, a, a lot of people have him as as one of the dark horses to to go deep in the tournament. So um, he's a good player. He, he really digs in deep. He's um, he's a gritty player, Cam Norrie. So yeah, I'll give him a good chance, definitely. Not a great day for number two seeds uh, all around in the tournament because uh, we saw uh, an early exit for Angebur yesterday. Yeah, I know. This was this was hidden away a little bit because it happened late at night. They got on court pretty late after uh, the Djokovic match and, and all of the attention by that point had also turned to the Kokonakis match. Um, but yeah, Angebur eliminated to Marketa Vondrasova who... She's a good player as well. Don't don't sleep on Vondrasova. She made the um, the uh, Roland Garros final in 2019, so she's a good player herself. Has been out with injury for a little bit, but um, Anja Burr, she I think she's been struggling a little bit. She um, she has a, a bandage over her right knee, um, and and didn't look all that good in her first round match against Tamara Zidansek. Um So the fact that Anja Burr was eliminated is definitely surprising um you know it's it's always a shock seeing a a um a, a seed like that a number two seed go out early but maybe not totally unforeseen either given her her form and just the way that she looked a little bit restricted in her first round match um yeah the fact she's been knocked out uh it's definitely going to shake things up on the women's side and, and opens things up a lot as well for um 
the likes of Caroline Garcia, the number four, and Arena Sabalenka, the number five. But yeah, definitely a big one to fall. And I think a lot of people will be waking up this morning um, shocked maybe that, uh, that the number two is gone. Coco Goff, of course, won uh, on our shores uh, the other day um, and over Radicanu. She looked uh, pretty impressive, Coco Goff, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she's an impressive young player. 18 years old, Coco Goff. Um, she was tested a little bit. She, um, uh, her, her forehand started to go a little bit in that second set against Emma Raducanu, but she was able to problem solve and, and get herself back in the match and really, uh, you know, uh, call upon plan B and plan C in that match to beat Raducanu. So the fact that she's able to do that at, at such a young age, 18 years old, and she's the number seven seed, um, she's, she's clearly uh, way more talented beyond her years um, she is, um, uh, yeah, she's she's impressing a lot of people. Definitely impressing me. I, I didn't think she'd have. I thought she might have been one of the seeds to go early, um, because I know I knew she had Raducanu as a potential second round matchup. Uh, so I thought that might have been her stumbling block. But um, she is uh, she's incredibly impressive. And uh, um, pardon me, Coco Goff. So um, I'm not quite sure what her draw looks like from from here going forward. She's got Bernarda Pera up next. Um, and then it sort of opens up for her after that. So um, Coco Goff, she's incredibly talented. Can anyone beat the number one seed, do you feel? Has it opened up for her now with the, with the demise of Ange Um Yeah, potentially, yeah. I think so. I had I had Jabur beating uh, Igor Sviantec in the final. Um, so now that Jabur has gone, uh, definitely it opens up for Sviantec. She, she could have had um, Bianca Andreescu as her opponent, uh, for today, but uh, Andreescu from Canada was was defeated by uh, by Buxha, uh from Spain a few days ago. So um, even this match alone today might have been a more difficult matchup than what it could have been. Not to to, to speak ill of uh, Christina Buxha from from Spain, who is uh, a qualifier that came through. Um, but Sviontek is is one of the. Uh, it, it's a very open women's draw. It's it's sort of hard to tell since, especially after Ash Barty retired, uh, there isn't an absolute standout outside of uh, the likes of Sviantec and, and Jabur, so it has opened up a lot, but Sviantec stays alive, and um, and it's going to be hard to beat her for sure. I don't really know who the other big contenders might be now outside the number one. It might be someone like Sabalenka, the number five, who's playing really well uh, at the moment, but yeah, I think a lot of people would uh, would definitely have Sviantec pinned down as, as their title favourite at this point in time. Jordan, uh, what can we uh, look forward to hearing you on? What are your what are your uh, matches over the weekend coming up? Uh, well, we've got uh, we've got two more matches uh, or two more sort of sessions tonight uh, from uh, six pm Melbourne time. We're on air, um, so we'll have uh, the likes of Daniel Medvedev tonight um, on uh, on Rod Laver Arena. We'll have uh, around the ground scores as well for you um, right through the evening. Uh, Denis Shapovalov, I see, is playing tonight. The number twenty from Canada, who's an exciting player. Um, so and uh, and Daniel Medvedev's opponent, by the way, Seb Quarter. So this is we're into the third round now. So this is when all the seeds start playing the other seeded players. So we get some really uh, get some really heavyweight matches starting to filter through. So Medvedev against Quarter, who Sebastian Quarter is a great young talent from the United States. So that'll be one of the matches to look out for tonight. And then um, and then from uh, from tomorrow we've got extended coverage. So we'll be on all day. We'll be on for. Uh, for I think something like 12 hours tomorrow during the afternoon session into the night session. So we'll have all the Aussies for you, Alexi Popperin uh, in action tomorrow. So that'll be one of the main focuses and, uh, and Alex Demonor as well. So that's uh, going to be what's, uh, what we look forward to among all the other big names still in the draw. 
been an absolute uh, pleasure catching up with you, uh, Jordan. Uh, thanks very much for your time this morning, and uh, we'll continue to listen to you over the, the next 10 days or so. Thanks very much for your fine My work pleasure, and your time, man. Cheers, uh, pleasure, Jordan Canellis, calling uh, the action on behalf of SEN, and of course, for here, us in New Zealand on SCNZ. We'll be back. Uh, in a moment, and actually, we'll we'll talk about the sport that's on uh, SENZ over the weekend. Might still try and catch up with Louis Herman Watt as well, because uh, if nothing else, uh, I need to know about movement in the markets, etc., and what he's thinking this late in the piece. Twenty-four hours out from the main event, eleven nineteen. Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Simply have to catch up with uh, Louis this morning on the eve of uh, one of the big race days in New Zealand. Of course, actually in Australia today, uh, no racing in New Zealand domestically, Louis, but big race day in Australia I see today with Flemington, Murray Bridge, Canterbury Park, Sunshine Coast, Canberra. It's all over the joint there. I'm not quite, is it a national holiday or something for those big meetings? Not that I'm aware of. Um... But I did think it was interesting that they're racing at Flemington, and wasn't uh, yesterday's race racing up at Gold Coast interesting? Uh, James McDonald mm. driving the thick of the action as you expect, but bang on, Smithy. It's um, there's many bigger days in New Zealand racing these days than Karaka Million. Uh, what they have been able to do, New Zealand bloodstock and thoroughbred racing, and turning this, um, which was once a pop-up evening, into probably the feature night with million-dollar races, which we don't have a lot of. I think we only have four of across both the codes now in New Zealand racing. Um, it's, it's pretty spectacular, and, and obviously you can't actually reference tonight without talking about what Luke Yimmies and Benny Masters and the Boys Get Paid crew have done as well. Like, they've grown hand-in-hand, and you couldn't have one without the other. I firmly believe that. So it's a special night, and the racing, as I said to you on Wednesday, will not be as good as it will be tomorrow, or it hasn't been as good as it will be tomorrow, uh, just due to the pure horse flesh we have on offer. We've got a vintage class of three-year-olds. I really believe that. Legato, Wild Knight, Prowess, to name three of them that will be racing. You've got Imperatries and Bonnie Lass on the support card as well in a couple of different races. A horse of Tutukaka um, out of Malika Bell, of course, who is the dam of Melody Bell, so impeccably bred. And then the two-year-old, where... I truly believe five and a half horses can win it. So it's a ripper. It's absolute ripper, all right. What about the markets? What are they telling you? Well, Trawbrian's all the rage um, in the two-year-old race. Opie, good gate. But I can't shirk this feeling that Tokyo Tycoon would have been paying $3 if it just drew its own gate, if it drew Trawbrian's gate, right? So you're saying that they are pretty much... Um, equal chances, apart from the fact Opie Boss is on Trawberry and, and a wide barrier. But I don't think that's worth a $2.5 discrepancy. So whether that means Trawberry is too short or Tokyo Tycoon's too long in the market, that's up for you to decide. And Penderbell can't be forgotten, and the, the confidence around Ethereal Star is being reflected in the market as well. So uh, across the board, there is support. Ulanova's on a, a slight drift which I find interesting. Um, she got the gate that she probably wanted. And then a couple of roughies. Well, don't forget about Dapper, and she turns heads. Uh, I would not be surprised to see that running into the top four, and you're getting decent odds around both of those chances. 
You're not getting very decent odds uh, around Tutakaka uh, and Imperatrice, though. No, and you shouldn't be around Imperatrice. She's probably the best weighted horse on the whole night. She's what a rating 110 off the top of my head, and she's paying a dollar forty. So she should be giving those horses, you know, six, seven kgs. Um, what's she giving them? Three. Uh, mm. she'll, she'll kick them in. Let, let's just not overcomplicate it. And two to Kaka, he has to carry weight. But the way he went last start, and hearing confidence from Pikey on Wednesday when we spoke to him, uh, you'd have to be thinking that two to Kaka is going to be going very, very, very close. I should mention something. I don't know if Pip said this earlier. You're getting 3.6 boosted for the Quinella in the last race, Legato Wild Night. I don't think that'll last. 3.6 is sickening money for that Conella. I'd, I'd responsibly have a bet. Okay, responsibly have a bet. Um, and just, refi- just um, you'll have to be responsible because you're uh, working on track tomorrow, yeah? Yeah, yep, yep. Good oil. Well, we're in our studio for 8 to 10, the mail run, Mickey, Garen and myself, and then Clado, Nigel Tiley, very astute horseman, uh, understands the great game, and Clado and myself, three till eight on track at Pukekohe, soaking in all the atmosphere. Uh, if you haven't got a ticket yet or you, you want to get involved, I just encourage you to figure out how you can do it because it truly is a night you don't want to miss it. Every year, it's spectacular. Okay, Louis, you have a phenomenal, phenomenal day tomorrow at Pukekohe Park. I know, uh, as you say, it's the it's on the calendar for you uh, very early on in the piece. So enjoy, man. Uh, go well. Cheers, Smithy. Have a good weekend, big guy. Yep, cheers, uh, will do indeed. Um, and just uh, while we're on the subject of sport, on uh, over the weekend, Logan Swinkles, you can join me on this. Of course, uh, we've been talking about the Australian Open Tennis, which is on uh, each and every day, Friday from 8 o'clock, uh, Saturday from 8 o'clock, Sunday from 8.30. Uh, but we've also got uh, the Wildcats on, yeah? Some EPL? Yeah, massive weekend. Of course, uh, SEN uh, own the Perth Wildcats and they take on the Sydney Kings. Uh, that's 9pm tonight. Uh, for, so that's on the SCN Fanatic on the uh, SCNZ app for us. There's also a bit of EPL action, of course, across the weekend. Liverpool versus Chelsea is one that really stood out for me. That's 1am on Saturday night if you're staying up late. Chuck that on if you're a bit of a football fanatic. And then on Sunday, we go to the American football side of things with the NFL playoffs going into the uh, divisional round. Chiefs v Jaguars at 10 a.m. on Sunday, 2 p.m. Eagles versus Giants. And then there are the games on Monday as well. So there's a lot going on there. Of course, you've got the Wellington Phoenix taking on the Central Coast Mariners at 2.30 p.m. on Sunday. That's going to be exciting, Smith. That's been a top-of-the-table clash almost where Central Coast is second. The Phoenix are now fourth after a couple of big wins. And then the Breakers take on the Sydney Kings, as we talked about earlier, at 5.30 p.m. New Zealand time, continuing on then with more tennis. It's just there's so much live sport going on at the moment uh, here on SCNZ. It's nuts. Fantastic news. Absolutely fantastic. Blanket coverage over the weekend. Right, it's time, of course, uh, being uh, around about 11.30, we invite you to call on 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, and uh, your chance to perhaps uh, pick up 50 bucks uh, from the TAB in terms of a bonus bet. Um, All you have to do is uh, get the last of three questions right. The first two will help you as well, to be perfectly honest as well. We'll get uh, uh, into that very shortly. So uh, dial that number now. Brian's waiting for your calls. Uh, Logan will be uh, the quiz master. But in the meantime, it's news time with Araha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. 
You got one more time this week to take on me, Quizmaster Swinks, and Stumped by a Smithy, where Ian Smith looks to knock your bales off with his knowledge of all things sports, Smithy. I know Craig from Tauranga won it yesterday, but I'm pretty keen to get get this uh, up to a hundred bucks for Monday if we can. Okay, let's have a go at crack at it. Who's in line today? First at the crease, we're going to Canterbury and we're going to Christchurch. It's Gareth coming, mate. G'day, guys. Here you go. G'day, Gareth. Good morning to you. Okay, uh, what are the subjects for Gareth this morning, please? The subjects for you to choose from are rugby, the Australian Open, and cricket. Uh, I'll go with uh, cricket. Yeah. All right. As Ian Smith sits back in his chair comfortably, folds his arm, he's ready to go. He's behind the stumps. First question for you, Gareth. The Black Caps are currently in an ODI series with India. One match played so far. Who's top scored for the Black Caps in that match? Uh, that was uh, Michael Bracewell, which was uh, 140 odd. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. 140 exactly, Smithy. Hell of a knock. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a developing player coming to the side late in his career. So um, I think big things from Michael Bracewell. He's, I think he's got it uh, upstairs. Uh, Bracewell is always competitive, but he is a particularly uh, smart cricketer. So looks good. He has the goods. Hopefully we see him uh, in the ODI World Cup squad later in the year. Second question for you, Gareth. Indian batter Shimon Gill's score of 208 put him at the top of the list for top scores between the two nations when they play ODIs. Bracewell's effort put him in ninth. There's one current black cap above him on that list at eighth. Can you name that black cap? So so that was in India, was it? Just between the two nations. Oh, between the two nations. Ooh, okay. Um, I think he, they might have gone back on that. Oh, pretty hard, boys. I'm not sure about this one. I might go to McMillan, maybe. Someone looked like McMillan, maybe. One of the worst no, things I have ever yeah. seen done on a cricket field. I think Logan said it was a current player, so um, I'm, I'm going to have a crack here at a Cantabrian too. Um, a top order player, Tom Latham. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. He's got one, he's on the ball there, he's always sharp with his gloves. That's one stumping for you, Smithy. Yes, Tom Latham, 145 not out. And of course the other eight on that list are all Indian players. Uh, so next we go to Parmi, and we have Damon. Come in, mate. G'day, mate. How are you? Good. How, how was the middle two? She's nice and warm today. Um, I must apologise. I owed Smithy a pint from last. She gave me a bit of a dust-up. I was meant to leave one at the bar at two, so I'm living my weekend. But um, I didn't see him in there, and after a few super jugs, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Damien. Yeah, we that might is, have to go double, we might have to go double or nothing. True man or two behaviour there. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Damien. You only got one question here. $50 TAB bonus bet. Up for grabs. The topic is cricket. Of all the ODI matches between New Zealand and India, the highest, the Black Caps' highest total wicket taker has 35 wickets over 23 innings and is third on the all-time list. 
between those two nations. Can you name that bowler? Would it be Trent Bolt? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Trent Bolt is always a good guess, but not right. Smithy? Got to be Tim Southey then, doesn't it? Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, look at the <laughs> smile on Smithy's face. Damon. Well done, Smithy. 1-0 already. 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> Damon, you're a cracker. 1-0. Uh, but, but you're, you know, Damon, you have to ring back on Monday and have a crack at the 100 bucks, eh? Yeah, well, I'll keep going till the liver mile and see if I can beat you this year. We'll go double or nothing. <laughs> now let's not do October, man. <laughs> I know, I know. It'll be a battle. That could be a big... That could be a very big night out there. Damon, thank you very much for uh, taking part this morning. Thank you very much for losing, which was great. And uh, we'll have a, another Stump Smithy on Monday with $100 up for grabs. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, first, a couple of texts that have uh, just come in. Um, Craig says, uh, initially said it was Australia Day on the January the 20th. Oi, oi, oi. Uh, and then he's come back and says, no, I was six days out. It's actually the 26th of January is Australia Day. Uh, Marshy, um, I know you've been texting in the, the last couple of days about that. I've got no idea. I've got absolutely no idea how you're able to listen to that game, so I'm sorry I can't help you there. It's uh, 11.40 coming up here on SCNZ. Uh, Michael Guerin will be uh, with us shortly to talk about the, the harness racing. Of course, he's heavily involved in the morning as well with Louis, so we'll talk about his picks for perhaps Pukekoi Park too. CNZ, it's always a time of the week on a Friday when we talk uh, to uh, Mick Guerin about uh, harness racing. Of course, uh, there's plenty of that going on over the weekend. There's racing at Alexandra Park and there's some uh, trots on uh, at uh, Blenheim today on the grass. But uh, we've got a text coming from Sean uh, directed at you, uh, Mick, and it says, Can I ask you, when was the last time we saw a race as deep as tomorrow's Ballarat Cup? And who's your pick? Uh, good morning to you, Smithy. Good morning to Sean. Um, yeah, great race. That's tomorrow night uh, at Ballarat, as you'd expect. And that has the two-time New Zealand Cup winner copy that. A very good horse in Old Town Road from New Zealand, who's the first ever pacer trainer John Dickey's taken to Australia. And probably Australia's best horse in rock and roll too. So to answer the question, unparochially as possible, I think copy that can win because I think a horse called Torrid Saint can lead the race and hand the lead to copy that. He won't want to stay in front. And therefore, I think copy that's a really good bet. Those horses are all the big name Australian horses. But he then head to the Hunter Cup for half a million in two weeks' time at Melton in just outside Melbourne. So yeah, Victorian harness racing, where all the harness racing stars are at the moment, as New Zealand goes through a bit of an off-season with the best horses, not many of them are racing here mm. at the moment, they kick back again in about a month's time. It doesn't mean there's not some good racing to be had. Uh, as you mentioned, there's racing today at Brenham. They have a two-day meeting, Friday into Sunday, which are enormously popular. And Alexandra Park has a mini-meeting tonight. It starts at 5 to 7, finished by just after 9 o'clock. I don't mind it for this time of year. Um, like one of the first race smithy. Now, it's a lower-grade trotter, and they can be a bit of a problem, but this one goes okay. His name is Dream of You. Race one tonight, for those who want to have a responsible bet. Race one, number seven, 
their form looks dreadful, but he's got a big motor. And I think in a small field tonight, that will greatly aid him. And Zachary Butcher is driving better than any driver in the country. So for somebody looking to have a responsible level of betting tonight, race one, 6.54 at Alexandra Park. Have a couple of dollars on number seven, dream of you. Look forward to that, uh, Mick. I also look forward to you being on deck in the morning, of course, with Louie, um, and you've got some pretty hot topics to talk about at Pukekohe Park. Yeah, it, it's a massive meeting tomorrow. I think it's my favourite galloping meeting of the year in New Zealand. It's not usually at Pukekohe. This is Karakamillion Night. It's more or less a night meeting. It starts at 4 o'clock. It's, it's usually at Ellerslie. Ellerslie is being renovated as everybody knows. So tomorrow we head to Pukekohe. Two $1 million races, three black type races, and a $120,000 staying race. It's an absolute beauty. Um, if you get to Pukekohe, it's going to be fast. It's going to be furious. We have outstanding horses, um, are not usually dominated by Opie Bosson, but some of the good Australian jockeys are going to be here, like Damien Lane, who's world-class, um, all the big trainers are there. It's an absolute ripper. So the, tomorrow morning, from 8 o'clock on SCNZ, on the mail run, uh, Louis Herman Watt, with a bit of help from me, will be talking to some of those trainers, trying to dissect the races, and also looking at the markets and saying, all this information we've got, if you channel it through the markets, what's the best way to make some money out of it? So we'll try and do that for you tomorrow. But also give people the sense of occasion. It's, it's a wonderful night. And I hope people who are in the Pukekohe, Franklin region take the opportunity to pop along because these are some of the best horses you'll see in your region, including away from the million-dollar races. Imperatrix, the railway winner, is there. Pier, who won the 2,000 guineas, is there. So not just in the support races. That's how strong it is, Smithy. It's going to be an absolute beauty. I know your son had a share in a Karaka million winner a couple of years ago, and you know what a special night it is. It, it really has a level of hype and energy that you don't see at many race meetings in New Zealand. And to be completely honest, outside the All Blacks, who are really good one day, you don't see many sporting events in New Zealand. You know, I like about it too, Mika. Uh, what it does is uh, with these big stake races and these magic nights like you have tomorrow night, it highlights, uh, I, I think, uh, the syndication of horses. You know, you can get smaller percentages and there's big money up for grabs uh, tomorrow afternoon. I mean, 2.5% of a winning stake in a million dollar race is not to be sneezed at. But I think it highlights that. Um, and of course, the sales, is, uh, uh, the sales are around the corner as well. Yeah, so you're right. Syndication is wonderful because if you own 5% of a horse, you still call it your horse. You still think you own it, much in the same way that the All Blacks are your team, even though you only own one four millionth of them. Um, so, yes, syndication is a great way to get into horse racing. Usually, the Karaka Million is on a Saturday night. The sales start on Sunday. This year, there's a week break, so eight days until the sales start at Karaka. Now, you can attend the sales at Karaka. You don't need to be some big flash Harry with a helicopter who's got plenty of money. And if you go there and you think, I like a bit of this, and you've got a bit of cash flooding around, you can get into a syndicate for a horse for as little as $1,000. 2000 is more realistic. But at $1,000, it's possible. So my best suggestion to anybody who thinks they have the money to do that is find a trainer whose name you like. Find somebody you think's pretty good at what they do. 
go to the trainer and say to the trainer, have you got a horse? How would I get into it? If it's too much money for you, say, no, no, thank you. I'll, I'll just watch from the sideline. But it really isn't as expensive as you think, because yes, there'll be $800,000 or million dollar horses there. But there'll also be fifty or $60,000 horses, which a 50th share, obviously, starts at around $1,000. So I'm not saying it's for everybody, but if you've ever wondered about getting into a racehorse or you and five mates from the bowling club or the knitting club think it's not a bad idea, it may not be as expensive as you think. If you need to know more about getting into a horse, either Harness Racing New Zealand for a standard bit, hrnz.co.nz, or for like Calipers, nzracing.co.nz no pressure there and as I said find a trainer who you trust or like and they can talk you through the next steps